Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of February 2011. Newcomers, I suggest you go into my website cuttingthroughthematrix.com Help yourself to the audios, which for uh, there's hundreds of, of them to choose from uh, and I try to give you shortcuts to the big picture and it really is complex really but uh, see the system we live in is a new world order it's been here for a long time in fact and we're simply going through one phase of its new world order right now as we go into the big transformation from one type of society to the next type of world global society. And, of course, it's mixed with eugenics and all the rest of it, too. That's all part of it. So help yourself to the audios. And remember, the, all, all the sites you see listed on the comm site have um, transcripts in English as well for download, for print-up. And you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu listed on the com site as well, where you can choose other languages for prints up and uh, pass them around to your friends, hopefully. Remember, you're the audience that bring me to you, so uh, kindly purchase the books and the discs I have for sale. That will help me keep going. And um, you can purchase from the U.S. to Canada using a personal check or an international postal money order. You can use cash to send cash. And some people also use PayPal. Use the donation button you'll see on the com site and uh, follow it by an email with your name, address and order. And I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Uh, For the rest of the world, you've got PayPal again. Use the, the donation button there and an email with your name, address and order. Or you can use Western Union, which is direct wire transfer. Uh, or you can use MoneyGram, which also wires, but gives you the option of uh, you can purchase a check from them and post it. It's a lot cheaper. It takes about seven days to get here. Some people still send cash from Europe. So, as I say, on the website there, there's a whole bunch of other sites I've got listed. These are the official sites because I've had trouble in the past where sometimes they get pulled with no reason at all. And you've always got another site to download from. If you find sticking downloads at the com site, it's because so many folk go in at the same time and download. So you can try these alternate sites I've got listed there uh, and should bookmark them for future use just in case. But as I say, we're going through the biggest transformation now where science has been replacing all the, the old gods and... Um, putting itself up as a god, of course. You say expert now and everyone obeys an expert. doesn't matter who they are or if they even are an expert and uh, or scientist, and that's good enough for all of us. Uh, and away that we go, of course. And governments, of course, are, are behind them all the way with all their new theories and their new fads, etc., pushing them on the public as though they are gods. And we're being trained that this is the new system. They are the new priesthood, and we're supposed to obey them. Of course... The scientists don't go off by themselves uh, shooting in the dark. Uh, They're all controlled. They're all funded by the same handful of people, really, and foundations for all the researching. And the, the, the ones who fund them know what they want to hear. They know what they want to do with the world. And especially of all, they want to know, they want to, they know what they want, they're going to do with people across the whole world. 
and depopulation for their big utopia is a big part of it. Uh, controlling of, of the mind is a big part of it for those who st- are still alive today, although people are becoming infertile. Most of them are being sterilized, whether they know it or not, according to all the reports that come out in the Western world especially. And um, out of it, eventually, they'll have a new type of human, very much like um, the Brave New World scenario that, that Aldous Huxley talked about in his book. And that's where they plan to go. At the moment, as I say, it's a matter of controlling us, using our tax money to build uh, the structure for the new society uh, as we go along. That's what it's all about. And, of course, redistribution of wealth is a big part of that across the world. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. This system in which we live has um, always been dominated by a dominant elite, sometimes called a dominant minority in academia. And uh, people like Aldous Huxley talked about that. He called them the dominant minority. He said at Berkeley, when he gave a talk there, that um, there'd always been a dominant minority running the people and he didn't see any reason why it wouldn't continue off into the future. In other words, democracy and so on wasn't even mentioned. It wasn't discussed at all. It was kind of an irrelevant thing. And, it, and it, technically it is an irrelevant thing because what you're given as democracy is a sham. It's nothing but a sham to keep you working away and happy and giving yourself. You give your power to the, the people who you think are governing you. You give them legal power over you to do as they will. And if you haven't learned your lessons by now, then I guess you never will. The older you get, uh, regardless of the type of government they claim they are, they're all the same, exactly the same, because there's only one agenda, and they know where they're going with it. But eugenics and economics have always been tied up completely together. You can't separate one from the other, because everything to do in this system, we're told, is to do with economics, and the bad news is always tax rises uh, all the time to do with new programs or military spending or whatever it happens to be, or welfare. And we, this is basically tied in with the whole idea of investing and eugenics because anyone investing in any area or country or group of countries must know how the population behaves. How are they? Are they good workers? Are they fit? Are they healthy? Are they sickly? Etc., etc. And that's always been the way of it. When you go back into the old writings of John Stuart Mill and then his son of the same name, they had that wrapped in with their their theories and their predictions completely intertwined together, the fitness of a people and... In other words, how well can they produce on my behalf if I'm going to invest money there? Because the whole profit motive is behind investment. It's not to do with giving anybody work, believe you me. And also to do with um, the the mentality of the people. Every nation's and, and the character of every people has been well documented and recorded on behalf of economics and the economists are really into this kind of stuff. That's so are the militaries too of all countries. They want to know the personality types, the prevailing culture, 
and mentality of a people. Will they run away from a battle? Are they persistent in battle even when they lose the first few, etc.? Did they, did they win and then give up on the first time they lose? All of that stuff has been so well documented. It's, it's rather incredible, really. Only incredible when you realize you don't exist to serve yourself or those around you. You, you exist to serve the economy. And that's taught as fact today. And that's why when they come out in the newspapers, even talking about um, the cost of keeping a welfare state or the cost of keeping a national health service, it's, it's basically taking away from the profit motive. And it doesn't look so healthy when other peoples want to invest in your area or country if you think you've got a country that is left. So it's inter, you can't, you just can't separate the two. And then we find people like Malthus, who was basically an economist, who worked for the British government and for the, for the various companies and corporations of his day, the British East India Company. He also went across to the Dutch, Dutch East India Company. And, and he basically was a, a European, um, advisor to all these big corporations of the past that blossomed into other things, even empires. And he, of course, worked out even the, the calorific intake for, for food for the public or those who are working on their plantations. Just enough to keep them working, producing on an efficient level, but not too healthy that they could run away at the end of the evening or when they, they were given their four or five hours sleep before they got up to work the next day. It was that perfected to do with diet. Has never changed really. So, as I say, Darwin came along, of course. Darwin mixed with Marxism, and the two of them went flying off into creating this whole Marxist theory of evolution and the evolution of man himself into something great and a superman to come, the Oberman. All that stuff came from the two theories combining. Personally, I think they were both fronting for something else. There's a trace of something else behind them both and pre-existing them down through history to the present time. But we had the communist era where they were trying to create the, the Soviet man, and then by the Nazi era where they were trying to create the Superman of Germany, of the Aryan type. Uh, but both of these things, uh, really the ideas were born in London, England, in the city, really of London, as they call it, the city, which is a, a sovereign entity unto itself with its own laws and rules, and especially financial rules for the banks are based there, the main banks are based there. And it's interesting, too, that even employment and unemployment is mixed in with economics because you'd think that most folk do, in their simplicity, do think that governments are there to uh, not impede the progress of, of job creation. Governments don't create jobs except for those who are employed by government, and believe you me, there's lots of them these days. But otherwise, um, government is a drain on everything. They're a, consum- a consumer of taxation. And private companies, of course, are the only ones that can possibly create any kind of lasting, worthwhile jobs, especially if they're in production, actual production of something. But if everyone was fully employed, uh, they claim in economics that the cost of labor would increase because employers would have to bribe folk to leave their existing jobs and come to them. So they always say they've got to have a a good pool of unemployed people. That's standard economics in all government theories. So they make sure you've got a welfare state of some kind and a good pool of people you can pull from to keep wages low because then it's an employer's market, as they say. They can offer you whatever they want to.
most folk live through their lives never really thinking about these things because it's not pushed except in academia and the students who are going into those particular areas end up working as economists in the area of controlling the rest of the public down below them. So their big dream, of course, was to create a society uh, where everyone would simply obey and be fairly healthy, but obey. They didn't want everyone to have equal intellect, believe you me, through eugenics, for instance. They did not want that. They didn't want competition. Uh, a world where all the rest of those kinds, those kinds down below them, you know, the inferior types could match them uh, in the future uh, was something of a, a horror to contemplate by those who already held on to the reins of power. Plus, they understood through big think tanks and world meetings they had prior to the 1930s, they'll need a, a base of people who could toil and work in factories and could toil in the soil, etc., without getting bored stiff and walking off. You need people with determination who can stick at it and endure hardship and, and rotten climates and rotten weather and all the rest of it and keep the food growing and production going. And they themselves had said that the higher the intellect, that the harder it is to stay on at a boring job. So they knew that. That's why George, that's why um, we find that Aldous Huxley and Brave New World had the different created type in vitro fertilization type of, um, of, of alpha pluses and then alphas and all the way down to uh, the, the lowly classes that simply were, were bred not to have too much of a mind that would wander. They would be quite happy doing repetitive jobs. That's always been the ideal of the great society, as they call it. The many terms for the same thing, and the utopic vision, uh, like the modern utopia, the book written by H.G. Wells, where everywhere, and then fear types eventually are eliminated off. They're just simply eliminated uh, out of the picture through sterilization of one kind or another, and and then, of course, they have their beautiful utopia where everyone knows what they're supposed to do, work at, and no one tries to better themselves uh, into a, a higher class, a rigid system. At the moment, we're going through the sterilization process of covert sterilization that's not even investigated. Apparently, it's not even worthwhile to find out why, since 1950, the sperm count has fallen by about 85% in the Western males. Nothing happens, if we've been here millions of years, as they claim. Nothing happens by itself suddenly, and surely medicine itself looks at diseases in the course of them like any detective story. What has changed in the last 50 years, 60 years or so? What has changed? And then you can find out the, 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 the causes. We know that oculations came in big time then, and we also know uh, that um, the food and the processing, etc., start to change too. And the food now is hardly, hardly resembles the food of the pre-50s at all, even by taste, never mind texture, and so on. But the geneticists never stop, never ever stop. Uh, there's a good um, documentary to see, and I'll preface this, this particular documentary by mentioning that the Philosophical Society, which is a, a, a Freemasonic society, uh, put it out. And it goes through the Soviet system, it goes through the, the English system, it goes through the eugenics societies in America that preceded all of them, in fact, through the Rockefeller Foundation and Cold Spring Harbor, where they had their big testing, their big headquarters for eugenics, and they sterilized so many people in, in different states of the U.S. It's, it's just incredible. Went on into the 70s, from the 1920s. 
But this particular um, documentary, as I say, was put up by a Freemasonic society, and there's no condemnation of it, by the way, if you, when you hear it mentioned. Very good documentary footage on it. But um, there's no condemnation because in Freemasonry, uh, even for those who don't know at the bottom level, and they really don't know much at all at the bottom level, they're the outer portico that Albert Pike talked about. They don't know much at all. Uh, but the upper levels, they know uh, that that's part of their particular theory as well, that man's evolving and those that get into the high degrees are, are superior than those who can't make it into them. It's actually a eugenic society whether they, they, they've, they've caught on to that or not. But the ones at the top certainly do know it's a eugenic society. They talk about inferior and superior types. But uh, And, of course, they think it's an innate thing in mankind himself to try and get to a higher level of understanding. So the documentary is called Architecture of Doom, and I'll put a link up for that tonight after I'm finished. Back with more after this. We're back, cutting through the Matrix after World War II, of course, with uh, the racial hygiene programs, as it was called in Germany. Uh, eugenics got a bad name, so they had to alter themselves into something else, of course, uh, really transformed themselves into the, uh, another entity under more science, of, and they call themselves bioethicists now. Of course, bioethicists, what's correct and what is not correct. Should we kill these folk? Should we not kill these folk? And they, they, they toss the coins back and forth. Bioethics is a big thing today, and it's taught in all the big universities. But it's basically, it's the same as, as eugenics, plain and simple. And they never gave up, of course, on this wonderful utopia because they're funded by the biggest foundations on the planet. And if you remember, too, that, that Russia, Soviet Russia, was socialist and that Germany was socialist, even they call it fascism, it's the same darn thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they both had the same programs on the go. They both believed in the evolution of man. They also believed, uh, especially in Russia, that the Lamarckian theory of um, evolution could, was a, a major step where you could condition people to pass on traits. You could actually condition them to pass on traits to their offspring. And then, of course, the Mendelian theory took over, and that's prevalent today. In other words, you are simply uh, a product of your genetic makeup, and that's all you can ever be. That's what the one that won out today. And there's many fronts for eugenic societies, and the Human Genome Project was an amazing front that was well-funded again. Um, you have the CFR involved, uh, you have the Council, well, the Council of Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, European Institute for International Affairs, the same bunch, all, all, they're all the same bunch. I hope you realize that too, the big bankers at the top. And you also have um, the, the foundations, the Rockefeller Foundations and Ford, Carnegie, etc., a whole host of foundations to do with eugenics, basically, pushing a socialist world to give governments more control and ultimately the, the, the right to decide who can breed and who will not breed. That's the purpose of it at the moment. And they use lovely cons. Now, one of the eugenicists is, is a man who heads up the Human Genome Project. He's the boss, and he's come out with a new test, supposedly. And here's how it's worded. This is a handout to all newspapers, a complete handout from the guys who are pushing this. It says, new genetic test for severe childhood diseases. So it sounds legit. It's a test for severe. It doesn't say that might find or, 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 
or possibly might, or anything like that. Now, then it says couples have to be offered a simple test to stop them passing on any of more than 500 genetic diseases to their children, right? So that sounds very concrete in its wording. And it says the blood test that costs £400 per person could be available in months and eliminate hereditary illnesses such as cystic fibrosis and sickle cell anemia. So it, it, it's, it says it could be available that could only apply to beat the availability of it. But it says, and eliminate hereditary illnesses. So it's going to eliminate, they claim, right? It says, but it's also controversial because critics claim it could lead to a new form of eugenics. It's the same form of eugenics with the usual priesthood, you know, white coats behind it. It says, parents with a risk could ask for embryos to be screened out through IVF treatment or abortion if they were at risk of passing on a serious disease. Now, I've read on the air here articles from the, in the past where people were advised to have abortions because of possibilities of things. Then they found that their children were perfectly healthy when they went, went ahead and didn't abort. Makes you wonder how many other ones would be healthy too. Because these screening tests are pretty well rubbishy. They cannot tell if you're going to have that disease or not. They cannot tell that. But you wouldn't think so if you read this. It's really an ad, handout, an advertisement. It's handed out to all the newspapers. They put it right in their papers, quite happy to have some filler space. And, uh, uh, and of course, there's no inquiry into it. Or the guy who, who heads it up in his past and his history, too. You can look up a Wikipedia for yourself, the Human Genome Project, and this article, and you'll find out who that is. Anyway, so a preconception genetic test could be used uh, routinely by doctors to screen for severe, recessively inherited childhood diseases in couples before they have children, reports a new study. Those with a family history of conditions such as cystic fibrosis and fragile X syndrome, that's when you end up in these strange movies called the X movies, are already entitled to screening on the National Health Service, it says, but they're, 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 not, uh, they're, they're, they're definitely not uh, very reliable at all. Already tests are available for a hundred or so diseases in the private sector, but now with more powerful gene screening equipment, scientists have extended the range. So it's developed by the National Center for Genome Resources in New Mexico, and yada, 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 etc. It sounds all so wonderful for safety, safety who wants somebody who doesn't measure up to uh, what's supposed to be the norm. Uh, and why not just abort it or allow them, allow them, if you've got extra cash, to take those genes out and replace them with proper genes, you know, the proper type, you see. And that, that's really what eugenics is all about. It's, it's the same thing with the, the poor, etc. It's not that they want to bring down the whole human race. They want to bring down the wrong kind of people. That's what they've said in the past. That's what uh, Charles Galton Darwin said himself in the 1950s. The wrong kind. The wrong kind will outbreed the better kind, you see. The ones who are more psychopathic and, and know how to fight to, to get up there into positions of power and wealth by ripping everybody else off. Because that's all Darwinism is. Survival of the fittest is the most, most cunning and utterly ruthless with less, less conscience. If you've got a conscience, you can't get up there. Can't do it. So, I'll put this article up tonight. As I say, all these articles up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you can look it up for yourself. Now, here's another article in today as well, journalnow.com. It says, victims of forced sterilization are hurting and dying off. This is in the United States, the forced sterilization program of eugenics of the past. Back with more after this.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix and talking about eugenics just to kick the show off really because it's in the news and how they're going ahead with it under again the, 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 the better science. Better, they're better now at eugenics than they used to be and that they hate the term eugenics. They want to help civilization and help society by basically having the right to tamper with your genes and your sperm and the ovum and all the rest of it to, and decide who should live and die, basically. That's always been their program. And yet, as I say, here's an article here. It says victims of forced sterilization are hurting and dying off because they had this forced sterilization, not just in the U.S., had it in Canada too, uh, especially for American Indians. But it says uh, victims of sterilization are hurting and dying off. And at the state legislature, as it convenes on Wednesday, Governor Bev Perdue should present it with a clear plan for helping the surviving victims of North Carolina's forced sterilization program. Some might argue that with a legislator facing the challenge of closing a $3.7 billion budget shortfall, this is not the time to help those victims. I think economics again, isn't it? But with the victims continuing to suffer with physical and emotional ills from their operations, and with some of them having died waiting for help, the state has a moral obligation to finally right the wrong it visited upon them. Well, they see there's no moral right when it comes to economics. It's a very bland, straight, uh, up-and-down affair. Anyway, this article here goes on about some of the history of the, the eugenics movement and the compulsory sterilization uh, because they had programs for the perfect American family, funded by the Rockefeller Foundation, of course, from the very beginning. And they helped to get that through most of the U.S. states. Uh, they ran from the 20s, as I say, right through into the 70s. And, and they want to go back to it again. So I'll put that up, up as well. Now, here's another article that ties right in with it, too. This is a repetition of studies that do all the time to make sure that people are kept pretty dumb uh, at the bottom uh, because they're, they're kept dumb even by the junk food that they eat. It says, junk food, food diet may lower the children's IQ, studies suggest. Well, they've done this for as long as I've been alive. They know darn well what it does to the public. They know darn well uh, what kind of diet a child needs when it's growing. And what, it, and what happens to its mice brain if it doesn't get the proper diet. So another study just to make sure they're on target with keeping enough of the population at the bottom uh, pretty low and the totem pole of the IQ, they claim. And at the same time, we get all this too. They're going about the welfare state, the welfare state. But the biggest welfare goes to the corporations. That's where the real welfare state is. We just bailed out the banks, for goodness sake. These were cash gifts. It was a complete gifts to them. Billions and trillions of bucks across the planet. And, and they don't have to pay that back. Eh? And now they're all giving themselves, in no time at all, billions of dollars in bonuses uh, at the end of the year. Now here's an article here. It says, to us it's an obscure shift of tax law to the city. That's the city of London, the banking city, the, the square mile. It's the, the heist of the century. This is in The Guardian. It says... Um, I would love to see tax reductions, David Cameron told the Sunday Telegraph at the weekend, but when you're borrowing 11% of your GDP, it's not possible to make significant net tax cuts. It just isn't. 
Then it says, oh no, then how come he's planning the biggest and crudest corporate tax cut in living memory? If you haven't heard nothing of it, you're in good company. The obscure adjustments the government is planning to the tax acts of 1988 and 2009 have been missed by almost everyone and are anyway almost impossible to understand without expert help. And it's true, isn't it? They make everything very complicated to make you think, well, only experts understand this. When, you need, when that happens, you know you've been ripped off. Something so simple should stay simple. It says, but as soon as you grasp the implications, you realize that a kind of corporate coup d'etat is taking place. Like the dismantling of the National Health Service and the sale of public forests, no one voted for this measure as it wasn't in the manifestos. While Cameron insists that he occupies the centre ground of British politics, that he shares the burdens and feels their pain, he's been quietly plotting with banks and businesses to engineer the greatest transfer of wealth from the poor and middle class to the ultra-rich that this country has seen in a century. The latest heist has been explained to me by the former tax inspector, now a private-eyed journalist, Richard Brooks, and current senior tax staff who can't be named. Here's how it works. At the moment, tax law ensures that companies based here with branches in other countries don't get taxed twice on the same money. They have to pay only the difference between our rate and that of the other country. If, for example, Dirty Oil uh, PLC plays 10% corporate tax on its profits in Oblivia, <laughs> this is just, you know, make up, then shifts the company over here, it should pay a further 18% in the UK to match a rate of 28%. But under the new proposals, companies will pay nothing at all in this country on money made by their foreign branches. And that's what free trade's all about, folks. It's not for you, believe you me. Foreign means anywhere. If these proposals go ahead, the UK will only be the second country in the world to allow money that's passed through tax havens to remain untaxed when it gets here. The other is Switzerland. The exemption applies solely to large and medium companies. It's not available for smaller firms, and that's what free trade's all about, just getting the small guys out of the way so there's no competition, so the authorized big internationals have the field to themselves. The government says it expects large financial services companies to make the greatest use of the exemption regime. The main beneficiaries, in other words, will be the banks, the big banks, the big, big banks, the ones that handle billions per day in London, the city of London. Then he goes on to, to explain uh, more of this and how the con game works. But uh, that's really how it is, isn't it? Uh, it's always been that way. And in the States, the same day comes out, rich take from the poor as U.S. subsidy law funds luxury hotels. Renovation at the Blackstone Hotel in Chicago qualified for a federal subsidy due to the neighborhood's 26% poverty rate. It says the landmark Blackstone Hotel in downtown Chicago, which has hosted 12 U.S. presidents, opened in 2008 after a two-year, $116 million renovation inside the, the art structure built in 1910. Buffed marble staircases street guests spending up to, the Greek guests spending up to $699 a night for rooms with views of Lake Michigan. What's surprising is in the opulent makeover, it's how the project was financed. The work was subsidized by a federal development program intended to help poor communities. Doesn't that smack you the same thing the Queen of England was doing when she went into the, the, the poverty laws that were meant to help the poor in Britain to get money to heat her palaces? Eh? Says the biggest beneficiary of taxpayer help for the Blackstone revamp was Prudential Financial Inc., the second largest U.S. life insurer. The company got $15.6 million in tax credits from the U.S. Department of the Treasury for helping to fund the project, according to Chicago City Records, Bloomberg Markets Magazine reports in its March issue. 
J.P. Morgan, Chase & Company, the second largest U.S. bank by assets, also took in money by serving as a lender and the monitor of Blackstone Construction Financing, City Records Show. See how they got all worked out together, all this, this big clique at the top. Hmm? Since 2003, some of the world's biggest financial companies, including Goldman Sachs Group and Inc., uh, U.S. Bancor, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Prudential have taken advantage of a federal subsidy that will cost taxpayers $10.1 billion, and most of the public has never heard of it. Investors have used the program called New Markets Tax Credits to help build more than 300 upscale projects, including hotels, condominiums, office buildings, and a car museum on streets far from poverty, according to Treasury Department records released through a Federal Freedom of Information Act request. And on and on and it goes. It's, it's just, you know, same thing everywhere else in France and in Britain too. In Britain, you've got all these, all these lords who pass the bills for the wind farms and they make sure that their, their buddies in the same organization, that's called government, uh, make sure that they get the, the wind farms put on their land and they can rake in up to ten, uh, $10,000 each per month on them. By, paid by the taxpayer. Not a bad deal, eh? Not a bad deal how this wonderful open democracy works. It's amazing how these same characters that do all the stealing and cheating use the term democracy when they want to screw more out of you huh? and get the next step, step of their plan through. Isn't that wonderful? Huh. It's like the U.S. Constitution. These guys trash it amongst themselves. It's been reported in many newspapers what the politicians have said about the Constitution, even Bush Junior uh, derided it too. That piece of paper, he says. You know. But when I want, they want to use some of it to further something they want for themselves, oh, out it comes. All dusted off. Amazing. It's just amazing. I'm also going to put some more bills up that are going through Parliament in the UK and to do with... Um, uh, giving more powers and, uh, to, to supposedly local councils, deregulating it from the centralised government. And, of course, under the guise of how more folk will have more say in their housing in their area and uh, uh, what happens in their area, it's well understood that the local councils that will run all this, it's going to get these massive cash grants. Where do you see all this disappearing into pockets? It's all run by local businesses. It's not the people. That's where it's going to go. And they're utterly corrupt. Also, an article I put tonight, too, is from my website, Communist Capitalism Tightens Grip of the Economic Union for World State Model. It's got awfully good information on the European Council of Foreign Relations. That's the, 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 the European branch for the whole of Europe now, from the Council on Foreign Relations. All the top politicians are members. George Soros was the guy who started it up. He's the head of it. This is your wonderful new democracy. I'll put that up, too. And you can go through some of the history of these characters, the Rockefellers are mentioned in here, CFR, and lots of documentation, lots of links uh, to official stuff you can check up for yourself. Now, there's a couple of callers on the line. There's Justin from Ontario. Are you there, Justin? Hello? Hello. Yes. Hi, Alan. Um, yeah, I'm uh, up in Thunder Bay, Ontario, actually. Um, yeah, you mentioned food earlier, and uh, I used to work in the... Uh, in a produce uh, section of a grocery store, actually. And I had many older people tell me that, you know, the, the Macintosh apples, for instance, are, are not the same as they used to be or, you know, certain things like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. 
how it's generally changed. And uh, I've heard from other people that the, the seeds you get to grow your own foods actually will not reproduce themselves as well. Yeah. And, um, and you know, just been uh, checking out your, uh, your website and listing the stuff and uh, noticing things. Uh, recently drove by uh, Bank of Montreal and uh, just like the McDonald's sign with the line under the M, yeah. noticing, you know, flipping around into a number 13 and those kinds that's of right. things. It's quite interesting, actually. And I don't think that's, uh, you know, coincidence. <laughs> No, it's not coincidence. It's not yeah, coincidence at all. About, um, um, I'm wondering about Nostradamus. Yeah. With, um, you know, do you have any insight on, on that situation? Or? Well, Nostradamus um, was built up by, it was the precursor of Freemasonry, it was Rosicrucianism, and uh, he was built up to be, like they do today, they, built, they make stars, you make stars. And... Um, when you get away from all the mystique and the nonsense that has been said about him, um, he made one main prediction that got him famous, and that was to talk about the, the king being killed in a joust by, uh, was, I think it was, it was Montgomery from Scotland, actually, it was over there for a joust. And um, the, really the whole thing was a setup, because these, these knights, when you see how they studied and they worked and, and they really practiced, they could hit a plum on someone's hat. Uh, on on the on the run on the gallop, and uh, it hit the king in the eye, as foretold by Nostradamus, and that elevated him into power. And then the king's wife took over, and she was all into the mystery religions. So it was it was all set up to bring up the mystery religions, as it's called back then. It's now called it's much higher than that. It's, it's high Freemasonry today, but it's been on the go for centuries. The same organization, very wealthy people people behind it. And, of course, there's nothing better than getting public, the public to go along with something than telling them that this is foreordained, this is predicted, therefore it will, will be so. They become self-fulfilling prophecies because everyone works towards it. We find that the Germans used it for propaganda to justify their takeover of Europe with predictions, and Britain also had its team working there um, to, to counter the, the predictions of Hitler. So um, Nostradamus can get pulled out the bag at any time uh, to, to justify anything. And really, out of the, uh, the centuries, as it was called, all these different predictions, you can, you can make it it's so vaguely worded, you can make up whatever you want, and people certainly do. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I had some other questions about, uh, uh, the, like, Free uh, healthcare for uh, Native Canadians. Um, yeah. I myself uh, fall under that category, and um, and I heard also I've been listening to your stuff about uh, you know inoculations and stuff, and I myself have had uh, ear troubles as a child. I still do, um, yeah. and um, you know I just kind of and I heard you mention intuition as well with other uh, people. Um, and I sort of felt this sort of intuition, this sort of distrust of uh, a lot of stuff growing up as a Native Canadian and just seeing, you know, just certain things on a smaller scale in, in sort of like a schoolyard setting or, you know, certain settings and um, just sort of feeling this sort of intuition or distrust of, of certain things, feeling there's something bigger going on here. Oh, there's something bigger going on. We're getting trained exactly uh, to know exactly what we're supposed to know. And whether it's true or, or false doesn't matter. We're, we're supposed to know this. 
But your inoculations, uh, you understand too, that uh, especially Indians on re- reservations in Canada, because they get grants and so on, and they're kept in these reservations, by law they have to accept uh, the medical authorities. They have to accept them. And so it's really a, a field testing there on all these different inoculations. Now, um, what's interesting to me is that um, childhood diseases, the runny noses, the, the, the otitis media, all the ear problems and so on, they tell you is natural in medis- medical school. But before they came out with all these young uh, infant um, inoculations, it didn't happen. They didn't have these. In other words, these, these things they were getting as childhood problems were actually caused by the vaccines. And I personally know people who've, who's, who've daughters, uh, that their daughters have had children and they convinced them, different ones convinced them for the next child not to have inoculations. The ones who had no inoculations had no childhood diseases, no sore ears, no runny noses, no coughs. So obviously it's caused by the very stuff that they're injecting into you. But the Indians, unfortunately, are supposed to mandatorily take all these inoculations because they take grants. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, I've been wondering about that. What, like, uh, you know, why does why do the Native people get, you know, seem to be get all this free health care and, yeah. and free, you know, um, tax yeah. breaks and all this <laughs> stuff like that? And, 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 you know, there's, like, treaties have been broken and all this stuff, but it seems like they're still sort of getting a little bit of an edge on other people. And I just wondered, like, why Why is that? What, why these people? You know what I mean? It, it must be something if you, going on if you go into, If you go into, this is a fascinating thing, if you go into the history of eugenics and, and economics and go into the writings of John Stuart Mill, uh, he has it listed as long as the same as H.G. Wells had it listed. He worked for the, for the later organization of the same group. Um, they, they had all the different peoples listed as the superior all the way down to inferior. And they all had it classified, even in the 1700s, uh, that the American Indian, that the Irish, and eventually H.G. Wells added it later on to the Scots as well, um, would be people who would have to be eliminated because they couldn't adapt into the new system. That's no kidding, that's what they said. So hold on, we're back with more after this break. We're back and cutting through the matrix. I don't know if Justin's still there. Is he still there, Justin? Yes, I'm still here, Alan. I was going to say that, you know, you understand that the whole policy, the whole belief system or religion of eugenics and Darwinism states that if people cannot adapt, not only do they die, they must die. Or they'll bring down those who are, who are evolving higher and higher. They'll bring them down. That's what they truly believe. And that's really official policy through academia. Uh, they still push and promote the same thing. That's through government as well. And I've talked to, I, I, I knew someone who was up in the, the, the government, the Federal Department for Indian Affairs in Canada. And she told me that uh, she, she criticized that the Indians wouldn't work and so on, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, see, the only way you can adapt into this system, it is a system, is by joining them and mim- mimicking them, as Charles Darwin called it too. Those who can't mimic the white guy, it has to perish, basically. And that means also going to the same kind of business, money lending or money borrowing, etc., and producing. That's what they call the normal system. 
And so they will not tolerate any other kind of system uh, going alongside themselves. So as I think it's personally it's policy of, of simple extermination uh, over time. That's all it is to me. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I was also wondering if you believe that the, uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous program is sort of a form of, you know, another form of control or mind control um, having read some of the literature in the beginning, there was um, uh, the Rothschild name pops up. The Rothschild pops up. It was also the Oxford School, they called it, too. Yeah, and the they, Oxford groups, yeah. That's right. And the Oxford group, too, were part of the British... Um, uh, British uh, Empire movement, or actually they called it British Israel movement as well. Britain had Britain had the right to rule the world, basically. That's what they believed at the time, the empire. And um, it was also uh, the strange thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is uh, it's a great collection. It's a data bank for collection of information on peoples as well. And even though that some of them all deny that, it's actually collecting data on lots and lots of people. Um, which is similar to Freemasonry, who must make a confession to someone. If, you, if you're a Freemason, you got through the ranks, you must make a, a confession. And also, so you're blackmailable, you understand. And also, um, they tell them if you've got a, it's a disease that you'll always have for life. And all they do at these meetings, apparently, is simply talk about the bar and drinking as though they were in the bar and still drinking. So in other words, it's, um, the addiction itself is talking about booze. <laughs> That doesn't stop. It's a perpetual addiction of the same thing. And if, I think if somebody wants to stop drinking, uh, they'll, they'll have to do it by themselves and just just stop. Yeah. Well, some of them do say that you know they should talk about the solution as opposed to the problem. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I find it kind of strange. They use occult, you know, sim- symbology as well, and they yeah. they openly admit that, you yeah. know, with the. Uh, you know, the, the square and the, and the triangles and stuff. And, and, and the supreme whole... being and all that stuff. And that, that all came out of Masonry too, because the founders in the Oxford group were, were Freemasons, very high Freemasons themselves. Yeah, yeah it, it's, uh, it just seems a bit strange to me, you know. And, and it, sort of, it sort of seems like the, the destruction of individuality itself. You have to, you know, it's, it's we, we this, we this. Never yeah, you, you can't be in control of yourself when, when you're, you're being taught to always second-guess your own decisions. And that's what it's teaching you. It's always second. Never be sure of your, your own decisions. That's what they're telling you as groupthink. You're, you're quite right. Yeah. So do you believe then there, there is an agenda there where, where they say, you know, okay, you're not, you're not happy and you're destroying yourself as an alcoholic. You're, so when, you're, when, you're, when you quit drinking and you're a productive member of society, you're a good little slave now, right? You're, you're good if you're quite, quite uh, collared and tie and you're earning cash. But thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself, and to your candidates, good night to me, or God, your God, scroll with you.